we have to focus on what our mission is. Uh, we believe that the ownership of identity is a basic human right. We should all be able to own our identity. And we saw the debacle with Cambridge Analytica, and, and this really spurred it on. The other thing I would mention is that the laws around the world are favoring where we're going. So you've got GDPR in Europe and in California, have you have the California Consumer Protection Act or the CCPA, and, and Canada has its own rules and laws around data and consumers, and so does Australia and many other countries. So those guidelines are being built for us. Good morning, everyone. This is the Healthy Idea Podcast by Iman and Nico. I'm Iman. And I'm Nico. And on our podcast, we sit down with founders on how they're using new technologies to solve critical health issues that face our society today. We learn more about their journeys into entrepreneurship and how they started their company. We hope to shed light on innovations in health and encourage you to think on the art of what's possible with technology today. Before we get started, Eman and I wanted to ask you to leave a review of our podcast on your favorite podcasting platform. Reviews play a huge role in reaching new listeners for the podcast, and it would mean the world to me and Aman if you did. Now with that out of the way, let's get into this week's episode. Welcome back, everybody, to the Healthy Idea Podcast. Today's special guest is David Lukach, who is the CEO of Cabin North America. David, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Nico. And you? I'm doing fantastic. Thanks for asking. And of course, I have my amazing co-host, Amon, with us as well. Thanks, Nico. Hi, David. How are you today? Good, Iman. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for coming on. Thank you. Yeah. So, David, our first question for you is, is can you tell us a bit about yourself and your company? I've been in the internet space since about 1994. And I've run companies that have done payment technology, artificial intelligence, and natural language processing and machine learning. And I guess in about 2017, I started looking at the liquidity and uh, compliance space for new and emerging digital currencies. And along the way, Cabin was born, and that's how we got here today. Awesome. So what exactly does Cabin do? Cabin is uh, an interesting company because we're very consumer focused. Mm -hmm. Where many companies are focused on enterprise or business, especially in the digital space, we're focused on consumers. We empower consumers or individuals to take control and manage their self-sovereign identity. Mm -hmm. That's a bit of a mouthful. Self-sovereign identity is the ability to control your digital identity just as you would in the real world. When we leave home every day and some, when we're able to, of course, in the current pandemic, but we leave home, we usually leave home with at least a wallet and a key ring. That, that proves our identity and gives us access to uh, various things like our cars, our home, an office. And uh, so self-sovereign identity is the ability for an individual to control that information as it pertains to digital identity and access on the internet. Gotcha. So essentially what Cabin does is it allows you to prove who you are on the internet in a, in a safe and efficient manner. I guess that's the easiest way to say it, yes. Yeah, it's just uh, snip, snip it down a bit. And then with that, I we saw and we spoke previously that Cabin is actually doing some very interesting work within the identity space, but also with respect to COVID. Could you tell us a bit more about what that work looks like? Sure. When you think about it, and we have family that recently in the healthcare industry that, that got their vaccination and they got a paper-based card as proof of that vaccination. And when you think about it, it, that's really not a safe way to prove to others and that you are vaccinated. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that it, nefarious actors could do anything or bad actors could do anything, but it's really not a safe way, in our opinion, 
to prove that an individual is vaccinated and allowing them into a facility with other individuals. So along with others in the industry, we're members of something called the Trust Over IP Foundation, which is dedicated to uh, finding ways to make sure that people can effectively exchange, people and organizations can exchange data safely and securely. So we, we came up with the idea based on the fact that if we're producing digital identity for someone and giving them the ability to manage their self-sovereign identity, we should be able to also create a digital credential electronic credentials mm-hmm. that says that you as an individual are vaccinated, that, that somebody issued or an organization issued that credential, and ultimately someone could verify or an organization could verify that you have that credential electronically, effectively forming a triangle between an issuer, a holder, or individual consumer, and a verifier. So we created the verifiable credential for healthcare and related to COVID-19. Mm-hmm. No, that's fantastic. And I think that's something important to note or something to talk about is how does the current system work for proven identity? So all that I've, I've seen is, is basically, like you said, a small piece of paper where I think they write the location site where you got your shot, your vaccine, maybe the lot number, and then which vaccine you actually got. Is that a good assumption? Is that a good description of what currently happens? Yeah, but, and it is, Nico, when you think about it, every child that goes to school has an immunization record mm-hmm. and it's usually paper-based, right? It's the doctor fills in a card and mom and dad have a little booklet that shows when you got your vaccinations. And that generally works well for everyone. But with the advent of of newer technologies and the veracity of this virus, and I think we need something a little bit better in this case. No, I absolutely agree. I just, I guess I I want to highlight a bit more of how much of a problem this potentially could be. I mean, probably is to some of our listeners because I'm thinking we want to go travel, right? And you bring this card. It's a piece of paper. It has a lot number and the site of where you got your vaccine. How would an airline company or an employer, or how would anyone even go about checking the validity of that vaccine? I don't think they can, but travel is an interesting premise. So I'm going to give you an example for travel. You may have to prove certain attributes or data when you book a trip. So IAD, the International Association of Travel Agents, is creating a pass, a health pass. You might be able to, you might have to prove that when you book. When you get to the airport, TSA may ask you for a pass. That may be the same or different pass. Mm -hmm. The idea when you get on an airplane, as you said, you might be asked for the common pass or some other type of pass. When you get to the sovereign nation, you may also be asked for a pass. And then when you get to a resort or destination, you may be required for another pass. So it's not just about a single electronic pass or card. It's being able to prove to everyone within an ecosystem that you are safe to travel. And that can get daunting if you think about it. We all carry, as I said earlier, a wallet, but I'm sure if you're like most, like myself and most other people, we probably have more cards than fit in the wallet. So sometimes we're changing them back and forth. But you can imagine that everywhere you go, if you needed a different pass for different things, how many passes ultimately would you have to keep? So it's not just about the card. It's also about the effectiveness and, as you mentioned, efficiencies that go with that. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. That poses a lot of questions, but I'll try to hold that for a bit later because I would love to hear about, there's obviously this problem, right? You have these cards that may or may not be taken by everyone. And traditionally, the background for the cabin North America is identity management. So how are you guys leveraging your partnerships slash which partnerships are you making that actually allow you 
or give you that credibility within the healthcare space? Well, that's interesting. So we're part of something called the Lumetic Exchange, which is part of Providence Healthcare. And that's a big organization on the West Coast. And uh, I think Providence manages well over 50 hospitals, 1,200 patient care facilities, and a number of other issues. And there's other partners in the Lumetic Exchange, and we're a founding member that has a broad spectrum of healthcare applications. We also have companies and organizations like Trip Experts that manages relationships with over a thousand tourist boards, the Campus Agency, which has relationships with over 2,000 U.S. colleges and universities, XTM, which manages hospitality relationships and uh, others in the ecosystem that, that we believe will, and a growing consortium that we believe will help find these solutions and make and create effective opportunities for people to prove that, as you said, you are you and be able to use credentials, electronic credentials or digital credentials. To, to solve this issue. I don't think it's going to be one particular credential, whether it's our own or anyone else's. It's going to be the ability for these credentials to be interoperable, compatible, and be able to be shared and managed properly so that you can share them. So it's a big daunting issue, and that's why we formed this partnership or consortium to basically look at the problem and put a stake in the ground, knowing that others would do the same as well and that we would partner with others and, and be interoperable to allow the consumer again Again, the consumer to choose how they solve the problem. And for, and I'm trying to, I might not have heard it correctly. So is the, the Lumetic Exchange that you're currently a part of or you're currently partnered with? We're a founding member of the Lumetic Exchange. It's a digital mm-hmm. ecosystem for managing patient and healthcare records. Gotcha. So that makes a ton of sense. So basically you have, you're now part of the system that manages digital healthcare records. You're involved with both organizations that support campuses across the U.S. as well as a company that's very has experience and expertise in working with travel on tourism boards, airlines and resorts and things of that nature. Yes, and I should I should mention one other company which I was remiss in doing so. It's a company called Loop Insights effectively ran the uh, bubble for the NCAA for the uh, basketball tournaments just before the holidays. And they're running a lot of what we call bubbles or closed environments for COVID-19 testing and, and tracking and tracing. So again, we formed this really, I think, amazing consortium and just to think our way through these problems and how do we deal with not only the problem that that persists today, because if you think about it, it's a lot bigger in terms of getting people back to work. If you had a, a digital credential that says I'm good to go and that you've been vaccinated or some other type of digital credential for healthcare or other things, you could enter a building, you could enter a store, you could enter a restaurant, you could work in any of those facilities. You could work mm-hmm. long-term healthcare facilities for senior residents might be safer. So this is a big daunting problem. We're, and again, there's others trying to solve it. What we're trying to do is make sure that we've thought our way through the global issues that surround this from companies that have different perspectives not just our own. Mm-hmm. And that's fantastic. And one of the questions that comes to mind right after that, so you have all these amazing companies with this diverse set of expertise and experiences. And how are you, how is Cabin planning on leveraging and pulling it all together? Are you guys planning on building a new product? Are you just expanding upon your current offering? What is that going to look like for you? That's a great question. Let's start at the beginning. You are an ecosystem. Nico is an ecosystem. Mm-hmm. 
I am an ecosystem. So we have to think in terms of putting the consumer at the center of this equation. And how do we power the consumer to be able to manage, first of all, their digital identity? Because if we can't prove you or you, how do we create a vaccination credential or any other, a driver's license, a, a credit card, anything else? How do we connect that? So we're solving that problem through a product we have called Liquid Avatar. And uh, it's a fun and engaging, it's got a very serious side, but it's a fun and engaging way to manage your digital identity. We are made up of many parts. I have a family, I have friends, I have a work, I have a work persona, I might play games online. There's different, I might go to school, there's different facets of my personality and my, my online being. And so Liquid Avatar allows you to manage those facets separately. But what Liquid Avatar also does on a very serious side, it allows you to manage your self-sovereign identity. So we separate this challenge into two components. And the easiest way I can explain it, and it's a bit of a humorous way to explain it, but if anyone listening has a, a pet at home, especially a dog or a cat, mm -hmm. they know sometimes it's very challenging to give that your pet a pill. So most people will cover it in peanut butter or a piece of cheese. So we thought about this problem and we said, we've got to create the cheese or the peanut butter around digital identity, which is ultimately a big pill. So Liquid Avatar sort of suffices for that and creates that opportunity. It also allows you to biometrically control everything. So we not only use factors that are known in the real world, but we use your, your facial recognition to control your data and, and your identity because that belongs to you. So that helps us start the process in which we can create a credential in an ecosystem like the Lumetic Exchange, which allows then a verifier, let's say like a sports arena or a school, to then seamlessly use an application to verify by just exchanging a piece of information phone to phone or by scanner that you have a credential and you're safe to go. Got it. I see. And my next question based off of that is, how do you go about spreading this product? Like, how do you go about getting organizations, airlines, universities? universities to acknowledge or to understand like, oh, if you see a pass from this type of company, we can trust that it is actually authentic and real. That's again, it's early days. It's when I started the internet space and I give another analogy, we help create the way that Canadian consumers use the internet to shop online. And I remember a lot of people telling me that no one will ever shop online. And I think if we all <laughs> go back far enough, we'll know that there were a number of naysayers. But if you ask anyone if they've ever shopped online, they all do that. It's really hard at the beginning to get traction. And that's why we brought this consortium together because their inroads and their relationships help support this idea. So we didn't choose a path to go out and reach colleges and universities on our own. We brought an expert to the consortium. We didn't go out to the travel industry. We brought an extra expert to the consortium. Mm -hmm. Again, I want to go back to the statement that I said earlier that there will be multiple credentials. Our goal is not only to create our own credential, but be but allow our users of Liquid Avatar to store other credentials because we don't think it is a competitive landscape. Our job is to empower that consumer and our services are available to the consumer, I should say, at no cost. They never pay for it. And so think of it this way. When you, in normal circumstances, when you go to a restaurant and the bill comes, you have choices on how to pay. It, you may have different types of credit cards, different forms of currency and electronic opportunities. So that might, they might take six or seven or eight different forms of payment. So they, as a verifier of your payment, that machine they use, they may take different credentials 
credentials to make a payment. We think that not only our solution, but other solutions will be in the ecosystem and a consumer will have a choice to store multiple ways of reaching uh, a verified conclusion. So at the end of the day, when I walk into a, a facility, they might say, we take one of seven credentials. Our system will automatically pick the one that is best suited for that verification, whether it's our own or another, and provide that to the verifier to ensure that person can get into the facility. I see. So allowing the users the opportunity to select whatever credential it is, whether it's a copy of their vaccine card, photo ID, or whatever else. It might be, again, with the travel example, there might be five different credentials for vaccination, depending on what's done. Again, we start with the granular basis of we need to prove that you are you. Once we've mm-hmm. proven that you are you, then everything can build on top of that. And again, we'll be producing a number of different credentials in different spaces, but I'm sure your listeners have heard of a multitude of, of different credential companies and aside from ourselves that are out there looking to do credentials. Well, to us, we may, we're going to produce one of many, but that one we know will be used by the people that we work with. But ultimately, we have to give the consumer choice. You can't give the consumer, you couldn't say to a consumer, here's a wallet and the only card that you can put in the wallet every time you use that wallet is just mine. It doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Consumers need choice. We all need choice. So what we're saying is as long as as the credential can be connected to you, you'll be able to put it in Liquid Avatar and present it to a verifier when asked. Got it. I see. So more of a way of safely storing everything that you might need. Exactly. You've got to start again with putting the consumer at the center of the ecosystem because you'd never say to a consumer, the only card you can put in your wallet is this type of credit card. You'd say you can put anything in that wallet. Mm -hmm. That's the difference actually between a self-sovereign identity wallet and maybe a hardware wallet that you might use from a hardware vendor, a mobile hardware vendor. And I, I won't mention the brands, but ultimately at the end of the day, you get to control what goes in that wallet, not us. So ultimately, a self-sovereign wallet allows you to make those decisions as opposed to potentially a hardware wallet that says you can't put this in it or you can't put that in it. So really, at the end of the day, we're giving the consumer maximum choice and we're producing credentials, starting with your identity credential, which you own, you manage biometrically, and we have no access to that data. Mm. And do you see Cabin Network helping some of these external institutions, like the partnerships like the universities that you've worked with the the travel industry employers helping them determine what should or shouldn't be acceptable with reform to identification? I think education is a big part of this process. I don't know that ultimately we'll we'll help them determine it, but we will certainly provide them with education and again with trust over IP and some and the Lumetic Exchange and some of the other organizations that we belong to. And we're, we're talking to governments as well because we're moving at an accelerated pace. Rather than just being a think tank, we're a doer. We're active in creation where a lot of organizations are thinking about it. And now is the time for action. I think without getting political, we've seen a change in administration that is very action oriented in the United mm-hmm. States. And so the time for talking is gone. Time for doing is here. And so we're really focused on being able to give people choices, empower them, but that empower Empowerment goes from a consumer to a business. So yes, the answer, the short answer is yes. We won't help them determine, but we will educate them on the opportunities that exist to protect them, their organizations, and their constituents. Gotcha. And that makes a ton of sense to me. I'm going to go ahead and pass it over to Aman. Thank you, Nico. 
Hi, David. One thing that I heard throughout the conversation is that you're certainly involved in many things. There was, there's insights, there is this health record company that you also help manage, and then you have Cabin, which is like this layer of identity. It's helping facilitate some sort of connection, but at times like also just doing its part in helping people preserve their own identity and take back their right to an identity. I wonder how difficult it is to build a team to support all of these different functions. And I was hoping you could speak a bit about that. Sure. Loop Insights, Lumatic, they're separate companies. They're members of our consortium. So okay. we, okay. Um, we're we not part of their organizations. We're all working together. So thankfully, and they're fantastic companies and we don't have to be involved in that side. On, on our side, again, we have to focus on what our mission is. Our mission is to, uh, we believe that the ownership of identity is a basic human right. We should all be able to own our identity. And we saw the debacle with Cambridge Analytica and, and this really spurred it on. The other thing I would mention is that the laws around the world are favoring where we're going. So you've got GDPR in, in Europe and in California, have you have the California Consumer Protection Act or the CCPA and, and Canada has its own rules and laws around data and consumers and so does Australia and many other countries. So those guidelines are being built for us. So those rails are being built for us. So what we're focused on is making sure that the consumer is empowered. And again, if we stick the consumer in the center of an ecosystem, then we start to think about what we need to tie to that. So we've got a phenomenal team of people, the best team I've ever worked with in my entire career, which spans well over 35 years. And each one of our senior executives is an expert in their own discipline. So really, some days I just get to be a band leader and while the rest of the team makes beautiful music. Yeah, like I do see that our world is pushing more for, you know, data protection and data privacy. I've just not seen many companies seize it in the way that you have where you believe that it's a basic human right. And I wonder if there is like a deeper story behind that. Well, I guess the way I, I think about it, when I started the internet and I looked to, and again, for your listeners, I'm in the Toronto area, so I'm Canadian. I spend a lot of time when time permits in the United States and, and I do have a place in the US. But so when we started looking at the internet, we took a position because many of us had very small children that we could either be rogues or guardians. And we took the position almost 25 years ago that we would be guardians and that that it was important for us to manage where we could the keys to the kingdom. And so that's been our, and everything we do online, that's been our inner underpinning mantra that we're guardians. And when we saw what happened with Cambridge Analytica and the fact that someone could go somewhere and see their picture being used on a billboard, now those laws have subsequently changed, but we believed that was wrong. We believe that the data that I produce is mine. It belongs to me. It doesn't belong to a corporation. And we're again, we're fortunate that the laws have and are changing towards that. So that's been our underpinning part of our philosophy. So taking that one step further, when, when we founded Cabin and, and subsequently our liquid avatar solution, we thought of data and identity as a basic human right, that you as an individual should own that. And going forward, if somebody wants to use it, they not only need permission, that, but they should be providing you a benefit for the use of that data. I couldn't agree more. I think that there should be uh, a little bit more conscientiousness around data protection and data privacy, specifically with things like Cambridge Analytica. Even with like enterprises, there's like hospital data that needs more protection. There is people's private personal information that gets leaked online. There is identity theft. Those kinds of things are the worst things. Just as a basic human right, I, like I couldn't agree more with it. And I, I really like the way that you put it. Yeah. 
Well, um, thank you. Um, yeah. I wonder where this passion to continue doing things in the identity space it comes from. I feel like there are entrepreneurs that perhaps exit over time and build other types of businesses. Why continue you know, building on Cabin? It's interesting. And I like to say if, if this was a golf game, I'd be on the back nine. I'm, I'm a little older than, than many of the other entrepreneurs, but I've had and our teams have had a number of successful exits. If you look at someone, and I, I'm not certainly will not compare myself at all to this person, but if you look at Elon Musk. PayPal was a fantastic company. Tesla has massively amazing vision. Why do SpaceX, right? It's entrepreneurs are built and we're wired a bit differently. We're, I like to say in very simplistic terms, Homer Simpson looks for donuts and I look for holes. So I'm trying to find out what's not there, not what is there. And in the previous moment that we talked, I, and I've been since I'm five years old, a, a comic book collector, and I'm very fortunate to have been when he was alive, a friendly with Stan Lee. So I'll use a I'll use a statement to our earlier conversation that with great power comes great responsibility. So at the end of the day, why do we do it? Because it's there. I've used this before, but if anyone has seen the movie The Rookie, and it's about an older player that ultimately was drafted to a farm team, and he's a family guy. And his passion shows when he says this one thing to another player. You know what we get to do today? We get to play baseball. And so the passion behind this is that there is a need in the marketplace and we have an idea that we believe is solid and viable and is consumer centric. So we're working diligently to bring that to life. Absolutely. I love that. And I love the uh, the Spider-Man reference. It's one of my favorite lines. It's great power comes great responsibility. Amazing. And also great to hear that you got to uh, meet the Stan Lee. Just absolutely cool. And I guess with that, like, what do you foresee for the future of Cabin in regards to, let's say, with things around health? COVID certainly did bring up the importance of health and how data and analytics can be very helpful. And actually digital as well can be very helpful in providing healthcare or providing diagnoses to health. I wonder how you see your company driving change in health. That's the healthcare industry is one of our key areas, but it's only one of one of them. We look at healthcare, we look at information services, government, ecosystem commerce, gaming, education, and others. But when you think of healthcare, there's a lot of challenges to solve. Let's look at your own personal healthcare records. Now, people who have are allergic to, let's say, penicillin for many years have worn you know, bracelets that basically talk about that say, I'm allergic to something or sulfa in the case of emergency. But how do you carry your healthcare records with you everywhere you go? And how do you manage those? And how do you make them transportable? And again, laws favor the fact that the patient really owns the records, but it's really hard hard in many places. And one of the things, again, I will say to your listeners is that in Ontario, where I live in the province of Ontario, we have a health card and any doctor I go to can immediately scan that card and all my healthcare records are transportable. That doesn't happen everywhere. And one of our advisors is a major healthcare advocate. When she saw that, she was amazed when we were in Washington. But at the end of the day, let's say you're unfortunately injured or incapacitated on when you travel. How does someone get to your healthcare records? We're building into Liquid Avatar the ability to have what is commonly known as a power of attorney. So you can assign a second person access biometrically to some of your data records so that if, if there is an industry or incapacity or there is an issue that you can get to them. So we have to think about healthcare on various scales and various levels that it's not only about just the records, but how do you get to them? Can we create ecosystems where you 
and your healthcare providers, again, biometrically and through self-sovereign identity uh, verification, have access immediately to all the information that's needed to make a, a healthcare decision. So there's lots of things, and, and with Lumatic and others, we're tackling those problems because I said this well over 30 years ago, a good entrepreneur surrounds themselves with people that knows, know more than they do and draw on those talents. So we're very fortunate, again, with Trust Over IP and other organizations that there are amazing people that we are working with that are solving these issues at different for different problems. And since we've got the consumer at the center of the equation, ultimately, they're solving the problems for everyone we work with. Couldn't agree more. The system that you had mentioned where you can just scan your, like scan a, some sort of personal card and the health record would be transferred to whatever area you're receiving healthcare is an interesting system. Really, I'm not very familiar with that. Is that something that like that exists within the way that you are uh, provided healthcare? Yeah. In Canada, yes. We have a driver's license and we have a health card. And that health card is is an amazing situation. It instantly provides our, our healthcare providers with data records. And, and that was one of the things we thought about. You look at what goes on in the world. In India, they have the Adar card. And other locations, they have different situations. China handles data very differently. I've been in, in meetings in Shanghai where we're talking about how data is used in North America and and people in the room from China are looking at us like, what are you talking about? Because their data solutions are very different. They're more centralized where ours are decentralized. And when you have decentralization, you can have fragmentation and containerization and blockchain and other technical solutions look to do is to unify that data but when you unify data, you've got to also be able to create management and control around that. So we're using examples that exist in the real world today to create digital, basically mirrors of those where you're going to be able to, as I would carry a card, you'll be able to carry your data by virtue of biometric and self-sovereign identity recognition. Absolutely. Just a really interesting system. It sounds like you do a quite a bit of extensive travel in the space on data and analytics. Is it your way of contributing to like whatever the world IP of health informatics is slash like a way to drive inspiration for Cabin? I guess this year, I'm usually on the road 100 days a year or more. But this year, I think uh, it's been almost a month. I think with Super Bowl weekend, I was in Vancouver for some business meetings. And I think that's the last time I traveled this year. No, that's not true. I did have one business meeting in the US. But when I came back to Canada, I had to quarantine for 14 days. So I think technology has also helped. I think some of us get Zoom fatigue, but we spend a lot of time on, on Google. Google Meet or Zoom, talking and working with others. And I think the Cabin North America is a remote working environment. We started as a remote working environment. So I have team members that I see, but I have never personally met. And which is, which when you thought about it five years ago would have been almost impossible. But so we're fortunate we get to talk about things and we try and really distill it down to a very simple way of thinking about it. I've been accused in the past of someone asks me what time it is and I tell them how to build a watch. But I think in this situation, we're trying to distill it down to how it affects the consumer and the user. And if you can internalize that, you can then understand it a whole lot better. Absolutely. I wonder if you have any theses on the future of the U.S. healthcare system. And I, I know that you're you know, based in, in Canada, but some of these systems that you mentioned were just really intriguing that I haven't really seen too much of in the U.S. I wonder if you have any kind of thoughts on healthcare here. Well, 
well, this is not meant to be political. It's personal. Every family has health care issues and it's just part of being a person. And I am amazed at the Canadian health care system, how efficient it is. Now, there are problems, of course. We can choose whatever doctor we want to go to, whatever specialist we want to go to. I'll give you an example. We don't have in Ontario, we don't have private MRIs. There was a thought process to bring them in. So the government decided instead of running MRI machines, which we have a number of, many of, Toronto is the fourth largest city in North America. They're now running them 24 hours a day. You may get called in to do an MRI at two in the morning and you might get called in at seven o'clock in the evening or three o'clock in the afternoon. The great thing about, I believe, our healthcare system, and it's not socialized, it's universal, is the fact that generally speaking, we don't pay for any of these services. It's part of our tax base and our tax base is not much more expensive than that in California. So it's just, we have a smaller population, but we also have had universal health care since the 1950s. So we've had a number of generations to get through. So our hope and our wish, because we have a lot of family in the U.S. as well and friends, our hope and our wish is that people who need health care can experience the same great level of care without cost that we do in Canada. Absolutely. Thank you for that, David. To wrap it up, I usually ask this question at the end of what do you wish you would see in healthcare five years down the line? And how do you want, wish, or vision your company to either contribute to that? I think that's a really great question and probably requires a little bit of, of time to think about it. But off the top of my head, where do I see healthcare in the next few years? Or where do I see us in the next few years? We believe 100% that the consumer will be the center of their universe. And as such, healthcare providers and patient care facilities will have to make sure that they are working hand in hand with the consumer, that it's not a downstream event, but an upstream event from the consumer. So consumers will all have electronic identity or self-sovereign identity. The addressable market for digital self-sovereign identity is 100% of everyone online. So it's a massive market, not only in, in North America, the US, Canada, and in North America, but globally. Globally, it, it affects 5 billion people. If you think of identity, you can think of it in the same vein as everyone uses a browser, everyone uses communication that are online, so everyone will have some form of identity. Again, what I said earlier about healthcare and having a power of attorney, minors will be protected with the same rights by parents having initial control over a minor's identity and its use. But I see within the next five years that healthcare will be a, a multitude of ecosystems where users will have credentials to move in and out of that ecosystem, those ecosystems, I'm sorry, and verifiers and issuers will all be part of the same collaborative networks. And I think once we start thinking of everything as being collaborative rather than competitive, economic forces still may play a major role in this, but the consumer will choose best of breed on what they want to do and healthcare providers will become more and more effective and efficient. Healthcare services are great already, but they'll get a lot better and a lot more streamlined in the next five years, in my opinion. Thank you for that, David. That was an excellent way of kind of thinking about healthcare as a network, and I can't wait for that to happen. Thank you, and, and I think we'll play a big part of that because we'll be empowering consumers to manage through Liquid Avatar and some of our other products to manage and control and, and benefit from the solutions that exist. I'm excited for it. As am I. I appreciate you. No, uh, yeah, I appreciate you coming on, David. Thank you so much. Thank you. Really appreciate it. Thank you. And David, if people want to, if our viewers wanted to learn more about 
the work that you're doing with Cabin and your partnership, where should they go? I think the best place to go is actually Liquid Avatar, which is part of a part of Cabin North America. And it's www.liquidavatar.com. And they can sign up with the service. And again, it's no cost. There's no freemium or premium service. It's available to consumers always at no cost. Fantastic. Thank you so much, David. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Nico. If you've made it this far in the episode, congratulations. You're one of our super fans. If you go to our podcast website, you can find our email. And if you reach out to us via email with one of your takeaways from today's episode, we'll give you a free 30-minute call where we'll answer any and all questions you have around digital health or startups.